Welcome to the Ministry Podcast. It is such a privilege that you would tune in. All of my content is designed to bring hope to the dreamers and doers that Jesus offers us a better way to life and Jesus offers us a better way to lead. I hope you enjoy today's episode. The title of my message today is Clear and Compelling. Clear and Compelling. We're joining actually several thousand churches this morning in rallying around this one idea. We are part of the North American Mission uh, Network. And so as being a church plant, we were encouraged to speak on something about the gospel and really emphasize this campaign that they're calling, Who is Your One? The idea behind this is, imagine if every single Christian in America simply took the task for this year to pray for one person who is not a believer in Jesus, to, to simply invite one person to church and to hopefully share the gospel to just one person. What could happen? I think we get a little overwhelmed by the idea we need to save these millions and billions. In fact, they gave me some stats to share, and it was a little bit overwhelming. There's almost 7.5 billion people on the planet. See, that kind of number just makes you go numb. But imagine just one person that you can share the gospel to, this clear and compelling story. So I love for us to lean in today as we're to learn from Romans. We're actually doing something a little different. We're gonna look at a lot of the book of Romans. Some of y'all old Baptists would call this the Roman road. Anybody remember that? That's right, amen, praise God. Um, that's what we're doing, not gonna lie. And it's gonna be good. So I love for us to begin with prayer. I believe God has a lot for us this morning. Let's pray. Father God, you are a gracious God. We're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful that this word has stood through generations who have come and gone. This word has stood as kingdoms rise and fall, but your kingdom lasts forever. Your kingdom will last in all eternity. And we're so grateful that this morning we get the joy of being a part of that kingdom. God, I pray that this passage today would speak to our hearts. May it compel us to share the gospel, maybe even to just one person. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says... Amen, amen. I want you to write this down. You have no problem telling when a story is clear and compelling. I was encouraged to talk a lot about tell the gospel, have them tell. But I want to spend a lot of my time talking about how this gospel is clear and compelling and you won't help but tell. In the 1990s, this tech company called Pixar, mainly known for their CGI and making commercials for Listerine, decided to take a leap of faith and take the challenge of becoming storytellers. They had to quickly learn the art of telling a captivating story. They knew they had something special when they figured out this thing called Toy Story. Any Toy Story fans? And so they got these things together, and if you don't know how it works, you have to really pitch your vision. And so Pixar had this three-movie contract and so they had to really show the, where they were going with this story. And the story immediately seems brilliant, right? It's every child's fantasy. You just know when you leave the room, those toys get up and hang out. I just always knew that. And what a beautiful thing uh, to, to really take that and really make it into a movie. But they kept hitting a wall. They kept thinking, we know this is a great idea, but there's something missing. Well, in 1993 on Black Friday... Pixar had to preview their first draft to the Disney executives, hoping that it would get the green light so they can continue. And after showing this preview, it quickly shut down production. 
They were told they have one week to remake this story or they would have to move on to the next. See, here was their problem. Their biggest problem was Woody. Woody's character was not clear nor compelling. In fact, some of the executives says Woody was unlikable and insufferable, end quote. The big thing about Woody, which is hilarious because it was still Tom Hanks' voice, they were trying to make Woody this mean person. They're trying to make Woody the cynical person, but yet what was confusing is Woody was mean, but yet he was still a leader. So the Disney executive says, you either got to get rid of Woody or you got to change Woody. This really uh, upset them, obviously, and they had to figure out what to do. See, here's the number one tip when it comes to telling a story. You need the audience to care about your conflict. You need the audience to care about the conflict. See, there is no use fixing a problem that the audience doesn't want fixed. And so the whole story, when they first pitched it in Black Friday of 1993, the whole story was about saving Woody, but they had one problem. Woody wasn't worth saving. So they leaned into Tom Hanks' beautiful skills of just being our modern-day Mr. Rogers, right? And they actually became him. He was still a little cynical, but he had a lot more likable traits. How often does the church do that? Trying to fix problems that society's not asking. Trying to meet needs that nobody needs. Answering questions absolutely nobody is asking. Now, what we tend to do is we tend to blame the scriptures and say, this is irrelevant. This doesn't have the answers to what we need today. The problem is this absolutely is relevant. Amen. And this actually gets to the core of all of our problems. See, I don't believe it's God's fault that we're answering the wrong questions. I don't believe it's the word's fault either. See, I think some of us, we haven't taken enough time and energy to study the scriptures and in so doing, also taking the time and energy to study society. And when you do both of those, I love it, Charles Spurgeon said, pastors need to have a commentary in one hand and a newspaper in the other. It's this constant balance. We have to know society, but know scripture. Know scripture, but know society. And the more you dig into both, the more you realize this gospel is clear, this gospel is compelling, and this gospel meets the conflicts that every single one of us cares about. See, the problem is us and how we present it. The problem maybe for you and me is that we actually don't know how clear and compelling this good news really is. See, I believe you'll have no problem telling when a story is clear and compelling. And shout out to Toy Story 4. Can't believe they made four of them, right? I mean, what a change. I was kind of bummed with the fourth one. Now let's move forward. Romans chapter 1. I'm excited what God has for us today. Now what we're going to do is we're going to address some of the conflicts that humanity has. And I'd love for us to see how Jesus actually answers those conflicts. Now I want to make sure, just as a prerequisite, I want to make sure you know what we're called to do is first look at the word and then look at society. So it's not like, okay, what's the problems in society? Is there someone? We start with the word and then we look with that wisdom towards society. But it's incredible how these conflicts are always met by Christ. The first conflict every single person cares about is this question: Does anybody want me? Does anybody want me? We see this manifest in running after relationship after relationship. Some of us run after career after career. There's many different ways. But we keep asking the question, does anybody actually want me? What we love is the way of Jesus is so clear and compelling because the way of Jesus affirms your value. 
you are absolutely wanted. Let's look at Romans 1, verse 1. Romans 1, verse 1 through 4. I'm so excited about this part. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, you could underline son, Jesus Christ our Lord, who is a descendant of David according to the flesh, was appointed to be the powerful son of God, according to the underlined spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. There is so much here. And I encourage you to study this later on uh, in your own week. But I just want you to notice two things within those first four verses. Again, Romans, most theologians would say if there was one book they had to keep out of the whole Bible, they would stick with Romans. Romans is incredible. Some, uh, Tony Evans just got his study Bible this week. He describes Romans as the constitution of the church. Incredible work. But here in Romans, just the first four verses, I want you to notice two things. Number one, notice how Paul is reminding us of the whole gospel narrative. Notice how he's saying, now this story of Jesus ties into the whole Old Testament. He's saying, go back in verse 2. Remember, look, this is what he promised through the prophets and the holy scriptures. Okay, so what we have to realize, especially in this day, the Jewish context, they always understood things as a whole. You and I were bumper sticker type people. We're like, we, we only heard one, one song out of the whole album. These were album people, okay? They listened to the whole thing, which is how you should do it, because there's, anyways, okay? I'm off my high horse. I'm not going to act like I'm a music person. That was totally fake. This is what Kayla believes. Okay, so you need to listen to the whole thing, right? But these people, when they heard this, are oh, yes, we, we know the whole story. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. But one thing that we constantly skip, I think Romans is encouraging us not to, is to we skip creation. Creation is so critical. He's saying, before I share this good news that I'm not ashamed of, remember, God is the one who created all things. Why is that a helpful thing for us to remember? Well, creation affirms our value. Because God created us, why? We believe the scriptures make it clear. God created us because he loves us. And also the fact that we are made by a creator shows that you and I have dignity. We talked about this a few weeks ago, right? Every single person has dignity. There's nobody low. Like God made every person. That song we just sang, right? Every single human, like eight billion different ways to look at God because there's eight billion. That's such a cool song, right? And, and creation shows we are made with dignity. And so there's no lesser I heard one pastor say this week, it's not as Christians, it's not that we're better than, it's just that we're better off. I was like, oh, drop the mic on that one. Man, that was good. Here's what's the problem. Secularism, just society today in general, can't truly affirm your value because they do not want to affirm a creator. And if somebody didn't create you, you were an accident and accidents don't have real purpose. This is so big. It's even right here. Does anybody want me? Yes, you have a creator who uniquely shaped you and created you. Secularism can say people want you, but they also say you're an accident. Those things don't really go together. One more thing. Notice here the language of the Trinity. I had you say, okay, underline. It says God, the Son, and the Spirit. Okay, we have implicit in here in this language. He's referencing the whole Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? We have the Trinity here. Why is that so important? There is a book I read a couple weeks ago. It's called Delighting in the Trinity by Michael Reeves. A little bit heavier read, but my goodness. And the beautiful thing he was pointing out, why it's so important. We believe it's critical. You have to believe in the Trinity. Because if you don't believe in the Trinity, so many things start cracking. So many things start not making sense. A reason why it's so important to know that God is Trinity, because before creation, God loved. He loved the Father, loved on the Son. 
The Son loved on the Spirit. The Spirit loved on the Father. It was all-encompassing, all around. There was already community, and there was already love. Why is that so important? It's important because a single-person God needs us. Here's why. If God is love, and He is only one person, He has to have you in order to exercise His love. So now that changes our dynamic. It's not that God just wants us. He needs us, which almost kind of puts us in control. Another thing, a lot of singular person gods and their religion, the only reason they create creation is to make more slaves for them so that they are being served. But that's not our God. Our God is not a needy God. Amen. Our God has as much community as he needs within himself. Our God is already loving within himself. So what that means, God wants you. He doesn't need you. That's, that, that's deep. That's some good stuff. So our story is so clear and compelling. No other, we, there's no other faith that can say this. Our God wants you, created you uniquely, and you have a purpose and a plan. You have tremendous value. I think that's good. C.S. Lewis, any C.S. Lewis fans? All right, nope. Okay, so C.S. Lewis, um, he wrote this really good book called Screwtape Letters, and it was a whole thing about this senior demon writing to a, an apprentice demon, and it was saying, here's all the tricks, and it's a really cool kind of story. Again, it's fictional, um, but he has this quote in there. I thought it was so good. So, so the demons are talking about um, how they are different from this God of the universe. The quote should be up on the screen and on your phone in the app. See, it says, we want cattle who can finally become food. He, God, wants servants who can finally become sons. We want to suck in. God wants to give out. We are empty and would be filled, but God is full and flows over. That's really good. Our God is a God who has, we have tremendous value because he made us, because he simply wants us. Not because he needs us, which is a big difference. So, again, point number one, it's so important for us for to share this clear and compelling gospel. And it's clear and compelling because right away, every person you know is asking yourself this question. Does anybody want me? And we could say, brother, the God of the universe wants you. That's why he created you in the first place. There's no better answer. If you're not convinced? That's fine. We'll talk about another conflict. Conflict number two, okay? Let's keep going down this Roman road. Another conflict every person cares about is this question. Despite all I've done, does anybody still want me? Despite all that I've done, does anybody still want me? See what I love about this gospel, this, this, this message that we have, our story is not superficial. Me and Caleb were talking about this on the, on the road up. We had an amazing time. Uh, we, nine of us went up uh, north to Flagstaff, and we had a retreat together. So thankful for the time we had. But we were talking about how some retreats, like, just feel superficial. It's just like, God loves you. And, like, let's just, okay, yeah. You know, like, we love, like, we love truth. Like, we love, like, why does God love me and all this stuff. Well, anyways, what I love about the gospel that we have is it's radically truthful and radically loving. So at one time, it says, like, you are a sinner. So, so the answer here is you still are deprived, but even in your depri deprivative self, God still loves you. So what we have here, Romans 1 through 3, let's look real quick. Okay, I just love being back. I missed y'all. I was in Tennessee last week, and so I had some good comfort food, but uh, I just gained 10 pounds. It's fine. It's fine. Everybody, it's fine, okay? Romans 1 through 3, 
what is referenced often as homartology. Okay, you want to say that with me? Homartology. Thanks, one person. Okay, now homartology literally means it's the study of sin. And so uh, me and Caleb, uh, we, we worked through the, all the book of Romans with all of our college students like two, two falls ago. And uh, it was so depressing because like we were like, let's split this up like really tiny. So we went through Romans 1 through 3 like the whole semester. And so every week we're like, you're a terrible person. Amen. Let's get together. You're terrible too. Yeah, that's right. And so we're like, we need some encouragement infused in here because it's just every week we're just like, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. It was truth. But my goodness, right, Caleb? No? Okay, so Romans 2, uh, so, so he starts actually Romans 1 through 2, 16. He is aiming at the Gentiles, the pagans. So you have a Jewish audience listening to this letter, and they're like, yeah, that's right. Those Gentiles, they're the worst. Man, Romans 1, 18, read it later. Yeah, those people are the worst. And verse 17, it's like he's taking this bazooka at the Gentiles and then churns it toward the Jews, and they're like, what did you just do? Look at verse 17. Uh, chapter 2. It says, Now, if you call yourself a Jew, hey, you Jewish nation, and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve the things that are superior, being instructed from the law, and if you are convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light to those in darkness, an instructor of the ignorant, a teacher of the immature, have the embodiment of knowledge and truth in the law, you then who teach another, don't you teach yourself? You who preach, you must not steal, but do you steal? You who say you must not commit adultery, but do you commit adultery? You who detest idols, do you rob their temples? He's saying you're, you're not practicing what you preach. You know the truth and you're not following the truth. It gets worse. Verse 10 of chapter 3, it says, verse 10, as it is written, There is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike, including you Jewish people, have become Worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. Maybe you know verse 23 of Romans, for all have sinned and what? Fall short of the glory of God. Despite all that you've done, does anybody still want me? What I love about our compelling and clear gospel is we admit you have done a lot. Despite all you've done, you're right. You've done a lot. A lot of things technically you should be ashamed of. A lot of things you should be guilty of, for sure. We're not going to skip that. In fact, outside of Christ, we're going to be honest, nobody actually wants the real you. And so what we have to do in our modern day, we either have, in all of our relationships, we have to pick truth or love, not both. If we pick truth, you're going to hate me because I'm pretty wicked on the inside. You pick love, great, I'm going to fake it so that you still love me. But this gospel is both truthful and loving. And we're about to see how those things come together. But secularism, what it tries to do is it tries to skip this step and run from reality completely. Despite all you've done? No, you haven't done anything. Now the narrative in today is, no, 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 despite what all they've done to you. We've switched it around and became the victim. Which, let me say, some of us are victim of terrible things. And we want to work through those things. We were talking about that in the retreat. We find that really important. However, I think secularism skips sin altogether because it really doesn't have an answer for it. Society's answers are superficial. I love that quote, if sin is never bitter, then Christ is never sweet. And so in our clear and compelling gospel, we are honest. Good morning, sinners. You're wicked. All right, praise God. And you're like, what? Yeah, yeah, he's wicked. Okay. Me, yeah, me too, I'm real wicked. What? Okay. But we have an answer for this. 
See, the reason why we have an answer, despite all I've done, does anybody still want me? We know the way of Jesus answers your need. Because the way of Jesus, he still wants you. You don't believe me? Let's look at Romans chapter 5, verse 6 and following. Don't you love going down this Romans road with me? We'll, we'll stop at circle K soon. Okay, verse 6, QT. What am I saying? Why circle K, okay? Unless you own a circle K, welcome. All right, verse 6. It says, for while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For rarely will someone die for, for a just person, though for a good person, perhaps someone might even dare to die. But God proves his own love for us is in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. How much more then, since we have now been declared righteous by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. Don't miss this. In the midst of your shame, God died for you. In the midst of your guilt, God died for you. In the midst of you spitting at his face, God, man, Jesus died for you on the cross. Despite all you've done, does anybody still want me? Jesus on the cross says, absolutely, I still want you. What's so cool about this clear and compelling story is it's not, hey, get everything together, no longer be his enemy, and then he'll welcome you in. No, no, no. While you were his enemy, he loved you, died for you, and allowed you to become his family. This is a very clear and compelling story. See, secularism tries to run away from reality, but King Jesus on the cross faced reality. Secularism tries to avoid suffering. Jesus on the cross took the ultimate suffering. This is really, really, really good news. Through the cross and the resurrection, Jesus answers all your needs. Because here's the thing you need. You need an answer to sin. You need an answer to suffering. You need an answer to death. I was in Tennessee this week when we heard the news about Kobe Bryant, and I was rocked. We need an answer for that. What happens after we die? And I've been praying that people come to church today. They've never gone before, but I'm praying for a lot of Laker fans, amen, to come today, and we'll convert them both to Jesus and to the sons. But anyways, although the sons don't give me a lot to convert them with, golly, that is not clear or compelling. Oh, man, let's just, just stay Laker fans. That's right. All right. Anyways, um, in all seriousness, I was devastated. He was the villain of my childhood. I didn't realize um, you need one of those. Anyways, why, why, why is this so compelling? See, on the cross and the resurrection, Jesus took away the penalty of sin. At the cross and the resurrection, Jesus took away the power of sin. At the cross and resurrection, Jesus took away the presence of sin. He faced reality and said, I want you still. Ah, oh, that's really good. Secularism, their only solution is to revert to childhood. Despite all I've done, does anybody still want me? Okay, let's, okay, this is the narrative today. Despite all you've done, okay, here's the answer. Go back to childhood because you were innocent when you were a child. So just remember, try to be a child again. 
just forget all this adulting stuff because when we were children, life was great, right? When we were children, we didn't get messed up as much. So let's go back. Let's go watch SpongeBob hours on end, which is still a good show, but don't judge me. My wife, she won't let me watch it. Speaking of that, I want you to know we got a marriage workshop coming up February 16th to 23rd. Amen. I'm excited. I need some lessons. But secularism, their solution is to rediscover your inner child, flee from your commitments, and run from your restrictions. Why would you want to work 40 hours a week, right? Our pets' heads are falling off, right? So secularism's solution is to run back to childhood, but we can't. We got bills to pay. Death still knocks on our door. Gravity still has its results on us. So we have a very clear and compelling narrative because we don't run from reality. Jesus ran through it. And now we have a different reality because of it. Absolutely, Jesus answers all of our needs. And I love how we receive it. Romans 10, we're going down this road together. I don't believe it's on the screen, but most of you guys, if you were raised in church at all, know verse 9 and 10. It says, verse 9, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved from what? The penalty of sin, from the power of sin, and from the presence of sin. You'll be saved. And I love that reality. He answers our need, not by us becoming better, but he was better in our place. I wrote this down this morning. I put it in my notes, and I think it's tweetable. You be the judge. Um, but I want you to process this. It won't be on the screen. But it says, we don't work to undo what we've done. We believe in the one who said it was done. That's our answer. Despite all I've done, does anybody still want me? Absolutely, Jesus does. And the beautiful thing is the answer for us is we don't work to undo what we've done. What's done is done. But we believe in the one who on the cross said it is done. The one who took it for us. See, I, I believe you'll have no problem telling when a story is clear and compelling. Once you agree, these are conflicts we all struggle with, and this is the most clear and compelling answer that we have. King Jesus has the answer for us. I got one more conflict, and we'll be done. The last conflict. So we have, everybody asks the question, does anybody want me? Then we get even more reality met. The more we live life, the more we stumble along the way, we ask an even deeper question, despite all I've done, does anybody still want me? I think the last conflict that a lot of people ask is can I bring beauty to this brokenness? Can I bring beauty to this brokenness? I think that's two ways. I think, it's also, I think it's can I bring beauty to this soul that I have that's so broken? But also I think can I bring beauty to this society that's so broken? See, if there's anything our forefathers, our, my grandfather's generation, they did amazing, was focused on your soul and how Jesus came to save you. But something I've noticed in living my life, that's very compelling, but what's even more compelling is reading this Bible more and more and recognizing it's even better than that. Because not only does Jesus come to save your soul, but he also comes to save this society. We can bring beauty into your heart, but also we can bring beauty into your home. And King Jesus can bring beauty to our whole city. To me, that's very, very compelling. You have like Romans 8, remember? It says we are more than conquerors. So we're not just getting saved, like we're, we're getting stuff done. I love that. Romans 12, let's read that together, verse 9. This is such a clear and compelling picture 
of what Jesus offers us. Paul says in Romans 12 now, this is what the church looks like. Now that we've really received the goodness and graciousness of Jesus. Verse 9, he says, Let love be without hypocrisy. Detest evil, cling to what is good. Love one another deeply. Remember, this is not superficiality. It's love and truth. Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. I love this. Outdo one another in showing honor. What a cool competition to have. And I'll win because I'm just that way, right? Do not lack diligence and zeal. Be fervent in the spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Look, be patient in affliction. Be persistent in prayer. Imagine if we just applied verse 12. But verse 13 says, Share with the saints in their needs. Pursue hospitality. Does not our society need to see this in action? Verse 14, bless those who persecute you online. Oh, wait, wait. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And social. I mean, bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. This week we had an opportunity to weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Give careful thought to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I, I read one verse over, but that's a good one anyways. If possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. This is such a clear and compelling story. And what I love about Romans 12, it's in the context of understanding the only way we can get there to that community is through the blood and power of Christ. In Christ and through Christ, we can actually become that community. And that's why, number three, this gospel is clear and compelling because the way of Jesus assigns your calling. He gives us a purpose. He assigns what we need. Y'all ever heard of Chuck Colson? Hi, everybody. I'm Chuck Colson. Yeah, isn't that how he talks? Like the prison ministry and all that? Amazing guy. Um, I think he even had a relationship with Pistol Pete, Pete Maravich. Shout out to basketball. All right. So Chuck Colson has this quote. It's on the screen. It'll be on your phones. It says this. God cares not only about redeeming souls, but also about restoring his creation. He calls us to be agents not only of his saving grace, but also of his common grace. Our job is not only to build up the church, but also to build a society to the glory of God. As agents of God's common grace, we are called to help sustain and renew his creation, to uphold the created institutions of family and society, to pursue science and scholarship, to create works of art and beauty, and to heal and help those suffering from the results of the fall. This gospel is so clear and compelling because it also includes society. And one of the things I love most about the millennial generation, every generation, but it seems like millennials as well, you know, we get a lot of things that we don't seem to do well. But one thing I love about us is we do care about society. And this gospel message says it also has an answer for that. So I think a lot of us, we get, you know, we, we're, that's the question a lot of people are asking. How are you to change this city? And we're like, we don't care. It's just about your soul. No, no, no. This gospel message cares about your soul and also cares about the city. Very clear and compelling. So I just want to remind you, the gospel of Jesus, the way of Jesus affirms your value. God loves you. He doesn't need you, which is the best thing for you. 
The gospel answers our needs. There's a reason you're hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the weight of your sin. Jesus is calling. I know it's a song. I don't know the title of the song, but I just, I just quoted somebody. All right. He doesn't leave us in our mess. And also the beautiful thing, God, the gospel assigns our calling. It's not over. When you get saved, it's just started. It's a beautiful journey of becoming more like Jesus. And there's no greater joy than bringing the kingdom to earth through art. Some of you love to do that through education, through technology, through dance, through philosophy, through law, through economics, through storytelling, and through church. We get to push back the darkness. All of this together reminds you in verse 16 is why Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation, both to the Jews and to the Greeks. For all humanity, this is the answer. And so I want to tell you, I don't want to feel like I should beg you to share this to somebody. I could have spent this whole 30 minutes saying, just, just tell somebody about Jesus. Like, oh, come on, there's, there's this guy and there's that guy. And why don't, can you please just tell me next week you told somebody? I'd rather spend all my time saying, this is the good news. This is so clear and compelling. You want me to stop talking so you can go start sharing, right? This is the good news. And so we join our brothers and sisters in many different churches around North America. And we are going to continue to ask ourselves, who is your one? And they've given us three principles to go by, and I love it, and so we're, we're tagging along with what they've said. Number one, this is application, and we're done. I want you to think through, first of all, who is your one? Neighbor, family, loved one, someone who is not following the way of Jesus. But here's what I want you to do. Number one, I want you to pray for them. In fact, I want you to pray for them every day. Pray for them regularly. So maybe today the answer isn't you got to call them up, whatever. That's terrifying, right? What I've actually noticed, when you start to pray for somebody, what it does, it prepares their soul and it prepares your own. So start praying for them. Care for them. God wants you to talk about him to you. And then also, we want you to invite them to church. We're trying to give you the best opportunity uh, to bring people in. And so starting next week, we're doing a series on marriage. This is a great opportunity if you're one, is somebody who's struggling in their marriage or not struggling in their marriage. Whatever it is, it's always a compelling thing to work through. We also are having that workshop, which will be at the Queen Creek Library. We rented out a conference room. We're trying to make just different paths into your one. Invite them to church. Number three is to tell them about Jesus. Tell them about Jesus. We want to continue to equip you, but I hope today gives you a lot of handlebars. Maybe you can listen to this again on podcast. This is the gospel narrative. Does anybody want me? Despite all I've done, does anybody still want me? Can I bring beauty to this brokenness? Jesus answers all of those things and gives us such a clear and compelling answer to all the conflicts that we all care about. I just pray that the Spirit empowers us to have the, have the humility and to have the love and the boldness to put this in application because this good news is absolutely compelling. Here's, I'm, I'm dumb enough to believe you'll have no problem telling when a story is clear and compelling.